We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It goes down. down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name, the show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, so this week I'm going to be um, airing my story. Um, I'm actually sitting here with my mentor and Um, Obviously, each week I'm interviewing um, other women and hearing their stories, and this week I've decided to come on and share my story with my experiences revolving around um, sexual assault and thought it would be a good idea to have my mentor here with me. Hi, I'm Erica, (laughs) and I will be interviewing Maya today. I kind of dragged her here, and (laughs) while she's been someone who's been, yeah, just um, sort of a constant in this journey of healing for me, um, and has been someone who has sort of provided a lot of comfort, especially through the most recent experience that I had with an assault um, that I'm going to share today, and so yeah, I'm just super grateful for you. Likewise. Um, So we'll go ahead and get started. Okay, so, um, yeah, so why don't you begin by just sharing what happened? Tell tell me the story. Yeah, so um, obviously we've had several different women come on um, this episode, and um, as we've noticed, there seems to be a, a trend of Um, women being assaulted not just one time, not just two times, but like three or four times. And that was something for me listening to these women where I, I think, didn't realize that it happened so frequently. Um, And in my experiences, I've experienced assault multiple times. And that was something that I think I carried a lot of shame around like shame just surrounded that because I could understand like one encounter with assault but then to experience it like several times um kind of left this thought in my head of like why why am I experiencing it so many times and what did I do to like inflict this this these experiences um and so coming full circle and sharing my story, um, 
I have a few different experiences with assault. Um, one from when I was younger, which I actually won't be sharing today um, because I would like to host a season specifically designated to survivors of family abuse. And so I am going to like reserve that for sort of that individual um, season. And so I'll step into kind of like when I was, um, I was actually like 11 or 12. I don't think you know this actually. I don't know if I ever told you this one, but um, I was in a store and I was a preteen. I was like a bit, um, I think it's just at that age as like all most preteens do where they're like kind of testing their parents. And I I wanted to wear these like really um, like short shorts like in retrospect I think they were just too short and um I should probably should have worn them but I wanted to wear them and I you know thought that my mom was wrong and she um you know didn't want me to wear them and I begged her to wear them to the store and so she was like okay she gave in and we went to the store and I wanted to go look at magazines and she, so she was like you know yes like you can go just like have your phone on you and so we like separated and I went into the magazine aisle um and I think I was reading like 17 magazine I was just so young like just really just I think yeah just naive and kind of I don't know. I was not checking my surroundings. I wasn't even thinking about looking around in my surroundings, you know, and in my own little world. And then I felt someone's hands come up from underneath me and like grab my like bottom. And I was like in shock, Mm -hmm. obviously that that happened, um, in broad daylight. And, um, it happens like so swiftly and so quick that I was like, did that happen? Or am I imagining that? Because it just, I was like, did he just bump into me? Like, I, it was just so quick. And, um, luckily there was like a store manager who had been following him around the store because apparently he, he had, was like going around and grabbing women. And I was like the fifth person that he grabbed, which I'm like, looking back, I'm like, why would, (laughs) like if after like the first one, like, why wouldn't you go and just like grab him? Like, I don't understand what, yeah, they were just like following him around the store and they needed to catch him, I guess, is what they had said. And so they called my mom and they pulled us all to the back. And I remember that it wasn't so much even the assault and the fact that he had grabbed me, but it was more so, I think, traumatic, the response that my mom had, like, towards me. Mm -hmm. I don't really think that she was able to hold the space for being... I don't know, like someone who could communicate with me and, you know, say necessarily the right and healthy things that you would and should say to someone who's experienced that. But she had, you know, came up to me and she said, I told you not to wear um, those Mm -hmm. shorts. Mm -hmm. And I remember immediately thinking like this, just feeling so much shame and thinking it was my fault that I was assaulted because somebody somebody saw me and I was, like, you know, quote-unquote asking for it because I was wearing really short shorts. And kind of looking around thinking, does everybody think that about me and feeling embarrassed? And so um, because I was – I think I was 12, um, there's a law, like, in New Mexico where, like, he actually didn't get arrested, like – 
because I was a minor, um, but there's like a, some sort of cutoff at that age where I was like no longer like a child. And so wow. he, uh, he walked out and that was it. And I never wore those shorts again. <laughs> and you know, that was kind of just it. My mom, like she didn't, we didn't talk about it again. Like we never discussed it. And, um, no one really explained to me, you know, like this is not your fault. He would have done that with or without you and did do it with or without you there. He did it to five other women before you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it kind of like led to the next, um, like the next experience because I think it laid the groundwork and the foundation for my, um, really like the, I would say bigger assault, um, when I was in college and I was, um, 19 at the time and I had gone away to college and, um, I was, you know, away from my family, didn't, hadn't made that like solid community yet. Um, and there was this boy who lived in the dorms and he lived actually two doors down from me. And we actually lived in this, um, athlete dorm. Was it co-ed? It was co-ed. Yeah. Co-ed dorms. Yeah. So they, we didn't live in the same dorm room, but the facility was co-ed and it was like on the bottom level football players, middle level was volleyball players and then top level soccer players. And we were on the top level and it was kind of strange because like some people who weren't doing sports just got put in these dorms and it was great because we could meet all the athletes and hang out with them. But also it was just kind of funny because we were like, well, we didn't fit in at all because we were not <laughs> athletes. And um, this guy was not an athlete either. And we um, were actually um, going to be rushing for um, Greek life. And um, so there was a few of us who were like rushing for Greek life in these dorms. And so we all kind of became friends. And this guy had like taken an interest in me and... Um, he just kind of felt like bad news from the beginning. And I kind of knew just the feeling I had that they're just, I don't think that he was a good idea. And my friends, new friends that I had in college were kind of egging it on because they thought he was cute and, you know, we're freshmen and it's like, that's, I feel like what people do freshman year is you go to parties and meet guys. And it's just this, you know, especially where I went, that's just what the college is known for is like partying. And, um, up until that point, I hadn't even had my first sip of alcohol yet. Like I'd never been drunk. Um, I was a virgin and I was very sheltered growing up. So I didn't know my limits and didn't have boundaries set in place and was pretty naive. Um, and so this, this guy, he would like ask me frequently in the first um, week of college to come to his dorm and hang out with him. And I would always say no. And then um, we kind of became friends uh, through the weeks of hanging out together with other friends. And then there was sort of a little bit of a level of trust built where it was like, I knew that I wasn't going to necessarily date him, but I knew that we were friends. And there was, you know, in the second week of college, a portion of time where um we started to see each other more he asked me to hang out um I sort of like let that my guard down and I had invited him over to my dorm and I at that time knew that like 
sex was off the table. Like, there was no way that I was going to sleep with him. Like, I had, in my head, I was like, maybe we'll we'll kiss, but, like, there's nothing else that will come from that. Mm -hmm. And so we were hanging out. We ended up kissing, and that led to, you know, more making out. And um, it kind of got, obviously, like, heated. And then, in my head, I already had that expectation that, I, I knew I would not do it. And um, he, like, became more aggressive. Um, and next thing I know, like, both of our pants are, like, down. And I, in the initial stages, it was consensual. Like, I, you know, got caught up in the moment. Um, but when I realized, like, he wants to like he he's gonna have sex I was like no I don't want to do this and then he didn't listen and yeah he like forced himself inside of me and raped me and I remember just like going in like autopilot and not really processing like what was happening like I just kind of like I couldn't believe that that had happened and I remember at one point I just like pushed him off of me and I was yelling at him to get off of me and then um he took like an item from my room I don't even remember what he threw at me but he threw it at me and he called me like a bunch of you know terrible names and then he left and I just like cried and I didn't have a roommate um and so I you know was just kind of alone and I just like cried and um, went to sleep. And then the next morning, um, someone had like, because we lived in the, the co-ed like sports dorms, um, we were all kind of front, like hanging out, going out together. And there had been this guy who was on the football team who liked me and I didn't like him. And he had kind of would give me a hard time about that. And the next day he had said to me, um, you know, something like, oh, well, you won't give me a chance, but you'll have sex with so-and-so. Wow. And I was, like, immediately just, you know, I mean, so mm-hmm. caught off guard. So that's just, like, the, my worst nightmares. And um, But it wasn't even so much, like, my, I was so too concerned with the fact that I was a virgin and I had lost my virginity. Like, that's what was in my head, and that was my fear. It wasn't even a topic of conversation that he had raped me. Like, I didn't even... I completely shut that out. And I was so concerned with people knowing that I lost my virginity or that not, you know, obviously they wouldn't know as a virgin, but that this Christian girl wasn't, was sleeping around versus, well, actually that was taken from me. That was not willingly given to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he's, he was, I had, you know, heard rumors that he was high-fiving people about it and, you know, just being crappy in, um, we both rushed Greek life and he ended up being in the fraternity that was like the best friend of my sorority. And so I'd see him like all the time time. and people didn't really know why I hated him so much. And at that time, like I was not like, I started to like, I completely like abandoned my faith. Like I didn't, I stopped going to church. Like I really just started to, you know, my entire life was, like, college and sorority life, like, sorority life and, like, just, I don't know, partying and 
um, when I joined Greek Life um, and we were rushing, uh, one of the sorority sisters from a different sorority that I, I was not in um, made this comment to me that the reason that they didn't um, pick me was because they had heard that I was a slut and that I was like sleeping around with you know so and so and they said his name and this this person was like it was not unusual for him to be sleeping with other girls and they were girls within the Greek life and so in Greek life like you have to be very careful who you date sometimes because everybody's dating everybody and the pool is quite small and so like if you step on someone's toes and you're dating someone who someone else likes, you're not really in a safe zone. And so it, it was just all together. I was like, it was bad. And I was like, I couldn't catch a break. It's just so unfortunate that women are so unkind to one another. Yeah. You know, why Why be so trusting of something heard through the grapevine? Right. Um, and not ask the question, you know each other like how are you right what happened right are you okay right you've heard about this guy you know maybe yeah. a different way to look at it yeah so it's it's so disappointing yeah what women can do to one another it is you know, so yeah no it totally is and I think these girls in particular were quite like catty um it was just like not like a good community um even yeah that's its own story in itself but I think that when that those rumors were being spread so frequently I I sort of just took on that belief that they were thinking of me like that I am a slut and so I was like maybe I am like Mm -hmm. I might Mm -hmm. as well like everybody thinks it and so I did I became extremely promiscuous and like hypersexual and just like very I don't know if hypersexual is the right term (laughs) but I definitely you know I definitely was like putting myself in situations with guys and seeking affirmation and seeking love and like obviously in all the wrong places um and it became very extreme like I would drink to get drunk I would you know like hop around and kind of just you know I don't know just sort of try to find affirmation wherever I could and you know, the, the memory of, of this person, um, assaulting me, I completely like wiped it out. Like there was no, I didn't even think about it. Like I was too busy denying the fact that we had ever had anything that I didn't even take time to process that what had happened to me and admit it. Um, and then, uh, at the end of my freshman year, I sort of spiraled myself down so far. And there was one night where, I was drinking, I'd gone to a party and I went back to my dorm and it was like three or four in the morning and I saw my doorknob um, move, like someone was trying to get in mm-hmm. and um, this person um, that had assaulted me was standing outside of my dorm room and like it was at the end of the semester so people were, had already been going home, like there was dorms that were empty around us and so and it was also very late at night and like nobody was like I nobody was really around and so I panicked and that fear had resurfaced but I don't even think I realized like why I was afraid of him if that makes sense and um he was like trying to get into my dorm room like he started like you know shaking the doorknob and like um he was like 
whispering at me like kind of creepily and just saying that he knew I was in my dorm room and to open up and he was like trying to open the window and it was very scary and I just you know I sort of just like unfolded like I couldn't yeah just like all hit rushed at me at once and I called campus police and then they came and looking back I was like what does this guy want from me but like now I'm like he was coming to probably hurt me again like mm-hmm. um and when campus police had come they you know took my statement and they were they went to his room and they had come back to me and they were like oh he said that you know he didn't he didn't do that <laughs> like yeah. great like it's my word against his like you know per usual like this is okay and they were like well if you're really concerned for your safety you could file a restraining order and that was just like a hard no for me because I was like like there was so much shame surrounding things like this like having a restraining order or pressing charges to to say that somebody had raped me like those kinds of things were not talked about around me and I felt like by doing that it was embarrassing and you also had reason good reason to believe that there'd be retaliation right yeah a lot of recrimination and accusation against you Mm. That's a lot to face. Yeah. It's 19. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like, I feel like that's why it's important to kind of like get a hold of like youth at a younger age and kind of equip them. Because I think, I mean, on this season, like, I don't know if you've listened to, there's the one episode where, um, Julia and I have like very similar stories from our college experience and um she made this comment of like that she thought that it's pretty crazy how society expects for an assault victim to know what to do after an assault when they're like 19 years old like they just don't and um they can't know if someone doesn't teach them and a lot of people these conversations make them uncomfortable and so they don't want to talk about it um do you remember the officers who talked to you or the campus police? Were they male, female? Um, I think it was a mixture of both. both? Yeah. Okay, so there's a female present. But they, I don't, I didn't tell them that he had assaulted me. I just told them that he had come to my dorm. And you're shaking the door. And they didn't know, like, the full story. So maybe if I had said, you know, he did this to me once, maybe they would have taken it more seriously, but they probably were just thinking, like, it's just some college, like, drama or, like, I don't know what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. But okay, yeah. and then my last experience um, that will circle circle around too is um, <clears throat> I, you know, in the last two years have been living here back home, and yeah. So my last experience, I um, was hesitant to come on and share, which is why I've kind of been treading lightly in this season. And and to be honest, like this season has been like triggering to listen to. Uh, for this reason that I've experienced something more recent. Um, But I feel like it isn't, you know, something that I feel comfortable with sharing um, and something that I think is going to be beneficial and benefit others who are listening. Because I've had, you know, three experiences with assault, I kind of had this mindset that I was done. Like, I thought that because I had experienced it multiple times I was exempt from experiencing it again because like in no way would I 
would I go through something like this again? And in that headspace, I didn't necessarily have the proper boundaries set up um, to at least ensure some level of safety for myself and protect myself. And so um, while I was preparing for this season, actually, I had like just announced that I was going to be airing a, a series for Assault. And there, at the time, there was um, this guy who I'd met at a coffee shop. This was like probably four months ago, I'd say. And um, he, you know, we had taken an interest in each other and um, he had asked me what I did for a living and like who I was, you know, what were my dreams and goals. And, and I told him I had done missions and, you know, I was Christian. And he was like, I also was a Christian. I am a Christian and I did missions. And I was, you know, immediately just like, you know, this interested obviously. And he, um, he had told me that he was unfortunately leaving the next day. He was just on a work trip. He didn't live here. And um, had asked me if I wanted to hang out and we had talked for a couple of hours. And so I was like, yeah, like I, I would, but I already made plans. Um, maybe we can grab a drink after. And he was like, that's great. So then, um, we had gone to a local brewery nearby and I enjoy like going to breweries with my friends. That's something that I feel like is fun for me and my friends. And, um, I know my limits. I know like what I can drink and, um, my favorite drinks. And, um, I had had like a couple of beers and I kind of felt myself getting a little tipsy. So I knew that I should stop drinking. And, um, you know, when I had arrived, I felt like his like demeanor was a bit different. Um, at the coffee shop, I felt like he was a lot more friendly. And I think as I'd like I know we've talked about this story before, but as I've like stepped back and reevaluated um, and kind of was thinking about what I would say for this episode, like I was thinking about him and just like how the way that he was around me at the brewery was a bit like different. And I remember feeling like he was a bit more like cold towards me. And I just wasn't really sure if he was, like, just not interested in me or if it was just that he was mysterious or something. Like, because he kind of gave these mysterious kind of vibes. I was like, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but after we had drank, I drank a couple of beers. Um, I had to go to the restroom, and it was kind of getting late. And the bartender had come around and was taking last call. And she was like, do you want another one? And I said, no, thank you. And then he said, she'll have another one. And immediately I felt this halt in my spirit of like, this is something's weird. Because like, I was thinking like, I feel like you don't say that. But then also these poor boundaries are like, you know, this like inner me is like, well, but he said he's a Christian and he, you know, I want so much for him to be a good guy and um, if I say no, like, then he'll think I won't, you know, it was like, I couldn't, I didn't hold this, those boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had gone to the bathroom at this point and I remember like I was standing in the bathroom and I was like trying to coach myself, like, okay, just like, don't drink it, just go home. And I was really wrestling with myself and I went back out and the beer was there and I drank it. And, you know, when so the bar was closing the brewery and 
we had both decided to go to the bathroom before we're leaving. And I remember just like when I was walking, like thinking like, okay, like one step, one step, like watching my feet and making sure that my feet were going to walk ahead of each other, like having to focus on like how I was walking and just thinking like, oh my gosh, like I have to keep it together so that people don't like know I'm drunk. Like, because I felt so embarrassed because like, what if there's someone here that I know or, you know, how did I get to this point? And, um, when I had left the bathroom and I went outside, he was like gone. Like he wasn't there anymore. And then I was like trying to walk down the stairs. And I remember just thinking like that everything was just like, I don't know. Everything was just so different. Like I, I really felt really drunk and I was like, I don't know how I got to this point. And Mm -hmm. Um, then I got a text from him and he like flashed his lights and he was like, I'm in my car, like come to my car. And I went inside his car, um, stupidly and, you know, pretty immediately, like he started to kiss me and everything kind of just went like, I wouldn't say black, but just like in and out. Like I don't have any real solid, like memory of it. Um, I just remember like we started to make out and, um, from that point, like, it was, like, probably 12 a.m., and it was probably, like, 12 a.m., yeah, and I was, like, unaccounted for from 12 to 4.30 a.m. Like, I didn't get home until 4.30 a.m., and some of my friends have my location, and I, one friend of mine, um, she wondered why I was in the parking lot of this brewery like at a certain time but she gone to bed and she knew I was on my date but like I don't know we just didn't have these things set up I feel like to really check in on each other Mm -hmm. and so she kind of was just was like you know she must be having a like a later night hanging out with someone you know and but had wondered why um and I remember at one point like when we were making out he wanted to do more and I remember him he was not listening to my nose and I remember saying to him like no and then I remember him saying something along the lines of like you like you've turned me on so like therefore now like you can't go back like you can't take back like the fact that you don't want to do it something like this and I remember immediately just being like, like thinking in my head, like, no, like that's not right. Like, cause I'm teaching and walking through this with other women that like, like it's only consensual until it's not like, if you say no, that means no, it doesn't matter at what point you said no, you said no. And then that's it. Right. And this, this man was grown, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he knew. he's not a 12 year old. Right. Yeah. So. He was like 30. Yeah. So it was like, he knew. And so I was like, I said no. And I somehow I, or, you know, I got from his car to my car and then from my car to home. And, um, you know, I remember I stayed in the parking lot. So I like, I was at that point at four thirty in the morning. I was okay. Um, Yeah, I was not okay, but I was in one piece. And um, then the next morning, I 
woke up and I had bruises like all over my body and mm-hmm. um yeah, I felt like I had gotten hit, like I just I had bruises everywhere and you had shown me pictures of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was they were they were big bruises. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? And I called my mentor. But before I did that, I had this like small moment of like, I'm not going to tell anyone about this because I was so embarrassed. And I was like, how could this happen to me? Like I was thinking like, I just got drunk and I don't know, I couldn't explain the bruises. But then once I talked to my mentor and she was like, my other mentor, and she was like asking me a series of questions about physically how I felt, I was like, um, she was like, my like, I think you were drugged. And then I was like, it hit me like, oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Like she was like, and then I remembered that last drink that he pushed on me and that it was unaccounted for. I was in the bathroom. I was not watching over it and <clears throat> it made sense. Um, like it all was, you know, collected together made sense. Um, yeah. And, and so how, how was this manifested in your daily life since that time? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I definitely I struggled a lot with, like, shame, I think, and embarrassment. Um, even, like, the moments, like, leading after the assaults, like, I went to the hospital and... The way that the nurses and staff treated the situation is unfortunate. Like, there was a nurse there, and she kind of was like, I don't know if we talked about this, but she was, she didn't really know how to handle the situation. So she was, like, inviting other people in the room to kind of, like, gather their thoughts. But it was, like, already humiliating for me. So I was like, I would love to have just one person who, like, knows what they're doing. And if you don't need to be in here, like, let's just Mm -hmm. not. That makes sense. And she was like, what makes you think that you've been assaulted? And I remember sitting there with all these bruises, and I'm like well like look at look at me you know and they couldn't do this specific test to test for um like a roofie in my in my blood system or however they test that and so um they sent me home and was it like I didn't get a rape test I don't think that he raped me I think it was just like I think that the Lord's like I don't even would it be like the Lord spared me like I don't even know what what it would be I hope so yeah (laughs) I, I certainly hope so and uh, what was surprising is, is you don't you didn't even have an answer. You know, when I asked you, what do you mean they couldn't test your right. blood for a Which substance? Right. You know, um, so they didn't give an answer to you about that. Not really. And uh, and they they kind of were like, well, you can go downtown to the hospital. And I was just like, so done. Like I feel like after like a after like a a crisis like this like you're just like in such a headspace like where you're not thinking logically and you're not thinking like I was not thinking like I was just like I came I did what my mentor said now I'm going home because like right. no one listens to me fine I'm done <laughs> like, did a good job to, it, to, you know. to get that far um, but to have to coax a medical Others staff to, to help believe, you that's, yeah. that's a lot on top of it right, right. so once again you know, some disappointment there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and how other people's responses mm-hmm. were kind of lacking yeah. in um, competency or compassion. Yeah. Right. And care. Yeah. 
And I feel like I grieved, like, I definitely grieved and cried a lot. And luckily, I think because I have that foundation with the Lord and have a community set in place and therapists and mentors, like, I think that helped with the process. Like, I didn't spiral like I did when I was in college. And while I still grieved and I was angry and really just, yeah, I... I think that having God as my anchor, like, it did not throw me. I didn't. That's what I saw. Yeah. I saw kind of, you know, to me as a Christian, um, the attacks against us are almost ridiculously obvious mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like, well, that would be where you'd be hit, Maya, you know? Mm-hmm. And you got attacked in that area and um, roughed up. Mm. You know, and you yeah. stood back up and you were like, no, I'm still in it. You're not going to, you're not going to throw me from this purpose and the mission I have, um, to help other women. Right. And so I just saw a lot of courage. I hate that it happened to you. Maybe really mad, you know, <laughs> yeah. and sad for you. Um, but you also demonstrated a lot of resilience, you know, and of course the resilience that we shouldn't have to have. Mm-hmm. But you have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So as far as what are your tips based on, you know, what you've shared today, what are your tips for um, the women listening? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that some of the tips I have that I'm going to share are things that you've shared with me. Um but I think it's like having boundaries set in place. Um, I think that something you shared with me is like, like sharing my location or having friends who know where I am and also making sure that they like know where I am if I'm going to eat at this place and letting them know like, Hey, I am going to be home by 1130. If I'm not calling you in the car at 11.30, and then at 11.35, you call me. If I'm not answering, come get me. Like, and have that sort of relationship with a friend where, like, they can can come and, and, like, care enough about you to make sure that you're okay. And it may sound extreme, but, I mean, in this situation, if I had just, you know, made those extra steps to ensure that my friend knew, hey, I, I want to be home at this time, and, like, I... Don't, it doesn't matter how much fun I'm having. I'm going to go home at this time. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that, you know, my friend would have come and she would have, you know, we could have, you know, this could have not happened. And so I think that that's a really important thing to have um, noted. I think not getting in a car with somebody that you don't know um, was a mistake for me. I shouldn't have gotten in his car. Um, I think driving separately to a location is really important. I would even go as far to say I know that, like, a lot of people listening we all have different beliefs and that's totally fine. Like we have a lot of different, um, yeah, believe people who believe different things. But I think if you are going to go out drinking with somebody, just watching your drink, um, like making sure that you put your hand over it. Don't leave, leave your drink unattended. If it is just get a new one because $4 worth for a beer is much like it sounds like you're like, I don't want to pay for another drink, but I don't think that you want to have to go through an assault and have to pay for all those years of, you know, Mm-hmm. I think what I'm hearing too is, is not just, you know, boundaries. So boundaries as far as your environment, 
boundaries for that person, mm-hmm. the other person or the date, the boundaries for yourself, right. right? That you're setting a boundary like about the your own curfew that you put, you know, you you set for yourself and then discuss with your girlfriends, exactly. right? Um, and just having to be intentional. I think we get to a place where um, we've been through enough mm-hmm. that we get, you know, intentional about what we're going to do and the boundaries mm-hmm. we're going to set. And it, it may not feel as fun or as spontaneous. Right. But within the boundary of, okay, hey, you know, I'm going to take my own car. No, I don't feel comfortable getting in the car with you yet. Right. You know, you can use humor. Like, I don't know you yet, but, you know, I hope, <laughs> yeah. to, hope to get to know you better soon as mm-hmm. we date. Um, but that, you know... Uh, it's also a train of thought. It's me every time. Thought. We can cut that part out. <laughs> um, yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, I just, I hate, yeah, it's, it was recording. So no, we can, I can cut it out. We can, okay. I can chop all these parts out. Um, yeah, I am curious, though, like, if you have anything else, like, those are kind of the things I feel like I've learned from you, and so I'm like, this is my advice, but it's also, like, technically your advice, so... Well, within being intentional about the boundaries we set, once those boundaries are set, we can be playful and fun within them, right? right? Um, we become safer to be more relaxed. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of like finding that balance of if you know, if you can trust yourself, hmm. like, hey, I know I'm, I'm, I'm calling it at midnight. Right. Um, I'm not going to drive in the car with him. Right. Um, I'm going to take it slow, and nothing's going to happen tonight. Nothing has to happen tonight. If he doesn't like it, so be it. Mm-hmm. If we can talk ourselves through that ahead of time and be intentional, then then we just, from that point, enjoy what what we're doing. Right. right. With and, and if you need to say that ahead of time, so that you don't have to say no in the moment, mm-hmm. and that'll also set it up. If you let that person know ahead of time, look, this is not personal to you mm-hmm. but you need to know I'm not going to drive with you I'm going to meet you there um I may not drink at all I may mm-hmm. just have a coke and um and I do intend to be home at this time mm-hmm. and I have friends checking on me right then if he's a good guy he's going to respect that he's going to respect you for it he's going to be fair enough mm-hmm. um, that's okay and you you will have that in place so that if he pushes against the boundary that flag is going to show red like that. That's good. Yeah. Right? It highlights it. If you don't have that in place, then it gets more confusing or dicier, right? Like, mm-hmm. is this me? Is it him? Am I being too harsh? I don't know. Can I say no? I'm scared to say no. Why do I, you know, mm-hmm. it's then that now you have a, a reason to be angry. Hey, I already told you up front I wasn't going to let you take me home. Or I already told you up front. That I was, I'm heading out. I'm home by midnight. Right. So as he is like, well, but I like you, but hey, just a little bit longer. How about we? No. Right. Then mm-hmm. you have um, that feeling in your gut is stronger, and maybe that you can be angry a little bit. You feel mm-hmm. like a little bit justified, and um, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. To be a little bit more assertive with him, you know, I don't have to be apologetic because hey, I already told you, and you're pushing. Mm-hmm. Why are you pushing? I don't like it. See you later. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and I think we need to encourage one another as women that, you know, if you need to be mean, be mean in the moment. 
That's one of the hard things. It's like, as a young Christian woman, I can't be mean, hmm. or I can't be rude, or I can't be unkind. Right. And right. then we forget how unkind it is to be pushed hmm. past the boundary you've set. Yeah. So. So good. All right. Yeah. So good. Um, <clears throat> dang. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on today and just being here with me. I think it's like, yeah, it just helps me feel like supported and like, I feel like you just have so much wisdom and I could listen to you give advice like for days. <laughs> well, so. I think it's awesome what you're doing, Maya, and and I'm sorry that, that you've gone through it, but um, God is good to redeem these things and give yeah. us strength as we are in battles over here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you are in one piece. Hmm. You are more than in one piece. You're stronger and stronger. Yeah. Thank um, you. Hind speed on high places one step yeah. at a time yeah so good <laughs> all right all right guys we'll tune in next week for the next episode i think it's episode seven on season two so yeah thanks for listening